0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network.
1: Hi, this is Mike Barron, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast.
0: Welcome to another episode of the Epic Marvel Podcast. This is an interview with Mike Barron. Now, Mike Barron, you might know as creator of great characters like Nexus and Badger. And of course, his uh, he had a long run on The Punisher when he first got his own ongoing series in the 80s. So this interview, of course, we will be talking about The Punisher. We're just touching on the first 24. Five or so issues because that's what's collected in the new the two epic collections that are that have just been released and um when we get on to the the subsequent volumes i'll call them back and we'll chat we'll chat again for some more Mike was a lot of fun. He has some great insight. Um, it, it's not that long of an interview, but we cram a lot into it, so you'll enjoy this. Right before we get to the interview, I just want to plug the Patreon site. As always, uh, go to Patreon.com/thunderquack and send us a, a couple of bucks or so to help keep our podcasts going. We rely on listener support to keep providing these great episodes. Um, and if you do, you can get some access to some other exclusive episodes that are uh, created by the other members of the the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Without further ado, here is the great Mike Barron. So can you tell me how did you come to get this gig of uh, spending Punisher off into his own ongoing series?
1: Carl Potts was the editor at the time. He was in charge of the Punisher, and he called me up and asked me if I would write it uh, because he liked what i have been doing in Badger.
0: You had a lot of stuff going on for you at this time. I, I, when I'm looking online, I see Punisher came out July 1987, Punisher number one, and at the same time you did, is it the same month was Flash number two from DC, Robotech Masters number 17 from Kumiko, and Nexus 34, Badger 25, Chronicles of Quorum from first. Like, you were a busy guy working for multiple companies. Is that kind of normal for writers? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, I mean, you know, it if if you're lucky, and I was lucky, so I was doing a lot of work for a lot of different companies.
0: Okay. But you found time to fit in the Punisher and what kind of a what kind of background do you have with writing crime? Did you do a lot of writing about this kind of work before or did you grow up reading a lot of this kind of material?
1: Well, I grew up reading a lot of crime novels and true crime books because I like that sort of thing. Uh, but when I started to write The Punisher, it just required a lot of research. Uh, my approach was to do it as a straight crime story with no, no superheroics uh, and fantastic outer space vehicles. Mm-hmm. That lasted for about three years, and then Carl was kicked upstairs, and I had a new editor and he wanted it to be more integrated with the Marvel Universe, so that's when we started bringing in the superpowered villains and so forth.
0: Okay, I see. Yeah, you can definitely tell that in these first two Epic Collection volumes, the content in here, um, because it's so grounded. It's so different from anything we see in the Marvel Universe. We don't. I think Daredevil's the only real guy we we meet, out in terms of just the the, the larger Marvel Universe, other than the Kingpin, of course. Right. When you say you had to do a lot of research, what kind of research would you do?
1: Well, like a gun, Punisher used a lot of hardware, so I had to make sure that the hardware was accurate, or we would hear about it because, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. you know, a, a lot of uh, military read the Punisher, and and so I would research weapons and also tactics. But uh, I would draw adventures from the headlines. Uh, the whole thing with the Rev, the Reverend, was based on Jim Jones.
0: Oh, okay, and.
1: Yeah, and his mass suicide in Venezuela or where, wherever it was. And, and uh, the other stuff, I was just drawing from what's happening in the real world today, looking at the news, and and you see something, and you say, yeah, there's a story there.
0: And so was Carl Potts on board with your interpretation of how you wanted the Punisher to be? Did he have any suggestions?
1: Carl was very uh, punctilious about one thing, that the stories make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, well, I know it sounds silly, but but I mean that there were no gaps in logic. Okay, that, I see. That, that each development led to the next development in a rational manner.
0: Uh, and what was it like developing the series with Klaus Jensen at the very beginning?
1: Well, uh, I did the script. And I sent it to Klaus, and then he drew it. Uh, uh, but he's a very good artist. He followed the script very accurately, and uh, I never had any problem with him.
0: How much information do you give in your script? Do you do this in the typical Marvel style was done in the time, or were you more of a here's exactly how it's going to be laid out kind of guy?
1: I would draw each page out by hand.
0: Oh, okay, wow. Uh, with
1: with my, my kind of crude, half-assed art. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But the page, the page would include everything you needed to know about the story. Uh, and my drawings are good enough that an artist and an editor can look at them and see the glance what i want uh, but it also included all the uh, word balloons and captions and any extra explanations i needed to add in the margin but whatever it was it all fit on one page one uh, legal pad page uh, oh. and and you know and if the the story was 24 pages i would hand in 24 pages of my drawn script it's, it's the same way archie goodwin used to work
0: Wow, and did you give the artist any notes on the the hardware as well, or did you? Oh leave yeah, a
1: lot? yeah, we did. We had a guy uh, helping us though. That was a real Elliot Brown was his name. Elliot was was the hardware expert, and and he did two issues of uh, uh, Punisher Hardware, I believe it was called. In fact, I have those issues right here. I'll, I'll just pull them out, and and uh, and he would research all these weapons and draw them lovingly. And uh, it looked great.
0: Wow.
1: Here we are. The Punisher Armory.
0: He wrote those ones?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Elliot wrote all these. Let me just take a look in here. Yeah, written and drawn by Elliot Brown. And I'm looking at one right now. And and, uh, the first page uh, contains uh, uh, an Uzi with a history of the Uzi. Back in 1950, Lieutenant Uziel Gale of Israel designed the premier submachine gun called, naturally, the Uzi... The gun has come a long way. And then he had a machine there. As time became available, I set up Dr. Oler's model 35P proof chronograph and fired hundreds of conventional 9mm rounds and tracers through it. Uh, I, this is the Punisher speaking. Mm. I figured I'd test all my Uzis too, mainly because I never fired them all in the same training session. <laughs> and he shows the hardware. It's a device that you shoot through, and the device measures the velocity uh, and uh, the weight of the, the uh, bullet.
0: Wow. So I guess you learned a lot while you were writing this book.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I see down at the bottom, uh, Elliot added, everything travels pretty much the same speed, an average of 1,310 feet per second.
0: Holy cow, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So did you also study combat training as well and, uh, and that sort of stuff? Because Punisher is also very physical. It's not just his weapons.
1: Well, I've been training in martial arts since I was 25, so I okay. incorporated that. I've always tried to portray the martial arts in comics in a realistic and dynamic manner, uh, and of course, uh, that's when my drawings really came in handy because uh, I want you to see the technique unfold in a realistic and dy- dynamic manner, uh, not just the single image, you know, of a fist striking a chin.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: I don't like I don't like close-ups at all for for combat you gotta you gotta have a medium shot you gotta let your camera stand still and let the characters do the moving so that the uh the reader can see what's happening and we would pace those out so that you can see a a technique develop And, and of course comics lend themselves to really flashy techniques like a spinning reverse sidekick and if we did a spinning reverse sidekick We'd show the Punisher running, then he would pivot on his front leg, and then he would go into a a clockwise spin, and then the kick would land.
0: That's fantastic, yeah. And it really comes off giving it a much more, well, realistic, but also just this kind of movie quality to it. Because it's like we're, yeah, it's like we're watching the action in these various steps. It's fantastic.
1: Yeah, because comics are movies on
0: paper. Mm -hmm, Right. So tell me about the creation of Microchip.
1: Well, you know, at that just it just popped up in front of me. That was unavoidable. I said, one guy can't do this without tech support. He can't do it all. It's just too much. He's got to have someone who can gather data for him so that the, the Punisher doesn't sit at a computer all day. And, of course, this was a long time ago before computers were as, as quick and, and and ubiquitous as they are today. Right. So I said, well, he's he's got to have some tech support. And, and so that's how Microchip was born.
0: Yeah, I think in one of the early issues, Punisher says something along the lines of "I'm just terrible with computers" or something like that. So yeah, but it, it also provides uh, someone for Punisher to talk to.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's important too. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, you can't have the guy walking around all the time talking to himself. Uh, so you get a dialogue, and you can get a lot more—not only information across the viewer, but you can characterize, you can show their personalities through their interactions.
0: Now, when you also created Microchip, you also brought in Microchip Junior. Was the purpose of him always? Did you always have his end planned out, for like from the beginning? Because it wasn't that long into the series when he, when he died. No,
1: I no, I didn't.
0: Uh, you okay. Know, I,
1: lying by the seat of my pants in those days and, and uh, it just seemed like a good idea at the time. The essential question in all fiction is what happens next and I'm sure I got to the point in the story and I thought well what happens next what will enrich the story and create more interest and uh, so it seemed to me well microchip has a son
0: That last panel in that issue uh, like is the borderless panel with microchip clutching the body it's like wow what a powerful scene you created there.
1: Oh thank you
0: now, can you tell me a little bit about the fan reaction when Punisher debuted?
1: And well, it was the number one selling comic that month in the country, my my first and only time, and, and the fans seemed to like it. Uh, so I was encouraged. Uh, but, you know, I didn't get a lot of feedback on it, except for, for people coming up and asking for signatures, because I have signed thousands and thousands of copies of Punisher
0: over the years. And it was popular enough that shortly after... Um, Punisher War Journal started up. Now did and that one was written by Carl Potts. Yep. They're they're pretty separate in terms of their continuity was and that was intentional, I'm sure, right? Yeah. Did you pl- did you talk with Carl over things like I'm going to have Punisher doing this in my story, so you got to go in a different direction in your story or something anything like that?
1: You know, I don't recall doing that. I uh... I, I think that that uh, I was off on my own train and Carl was on his and and they were just two separate tracks that, mm. that uh, there was never any danger of them colliding. Are you talking to Carl for this show?
0: I will be in a few weeks, yes.
1: Yeah, alright, good.
0: So can you tell me a little bit about the other people who worked with you in these first 25 issues? I'm talking about uh, Dave Ross, Wills Portasio, and Eric Larson. Yeah,
1: yeah. They, They're all terrific artists and and they all did terrific jobs. I don't know what Wills is doing today. I think he's back in the Philippines. I'd love to work with I would be happy to work with any of those guys again.
0: What, what did their unique individual styles bring to the book?
1: Well, uh, I'm looking at a Wills Portacio right now. In fact, it's the one where uh, Microchip Jr. dies. And Wills has a unique style. Anybody who's a serious comic fan can can look at a page and usually tell at a glance who the artist is, if they're familiar with the industry, unless it's somebody totally new. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no jarring difference between Klaus's issues and Wils's issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they just blended e- into each other uh, seamlessly. Uh, and it's not that – and there is a certain similarity in their styles. Uh, but today, of course, Wils's style has changed quite a bit, and yeah. and it's nothing like it was back then. Uh, But it was all harmonious, and David Ross was another excellent penciler, and uh, John Beatty inked him, and he inked him in a way that you don't get any jarring sense of discontinuity when you go from one artist to the next in Punisher, because they're all committed to presenting a realistic strip.
0: Right, right. I, I spoke with Eric Larson not too long ago. And he said that um, Punisher was one of his early works, the issues that he did for you. And he said he hated yeah. it because he hated drawing all of the, the hardware to go along with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so tell me about the comic book industry at this time uh, in regard to the comic code, because the Punisher is a much more has a much more realistic sense of violence than what you typically see in Marvel Comics from this time.
1: Well, I think the comic code was was outmoded many years ago, and most people recognize that. But doing away with the code is is not a license to present uh, gore and graphic sex scenes. It was a license to do things in a more realistic manner. Uh, and today, of course, anything goes. Anything
0: goes. Yeah. I,
1: I don't know if you're an Eric Larson fan, but if you read Savage Dragon, you know what I mean.
0: Oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. But was there any pushback uh, in terms of the content that you were putting in there?
1: No, I wasn't aware of it. Okay. I wasn't trying to be brutal. I was trying to be realistic.
0: Right. But I, I just mean um, it wasn't the same sort of fantasy violence that you see no, in no, Spider-Man. No, it wasn't.
1: And, yeah. that, and that was because of my approach that this was a crime story.
0: Okay. Tell me about bringing the kingpin into the story.
1: Ah, the kingpin i wonder if somebody suggested that to me you know i think that that carl may have said why don't you use the kingpin because the kingpin can be a realistic character mm-hmm. uh and he would be an admirable uh foil for the punisher but you know this was so long ago that that i i'm looking at these stories now and i could probably reread them all and and uh, and enjoy them as a fan because i forget
0: right what, yeah you know, I, it has been a long time well, your yeah. portrayal, because I've recently read these uh, your portrayal of kingpin is is really great. he's he's he uses his strength um and intimidating nature. It's a sometimes he kind of just sits behind a desk and and pounds things, but he really gets into the action in your story, which I really appreciate. I think it's great. And I feel like the portrayal of Kingpin in the Netflix show draws a lot from what how you portrayed him in huh. these Punisher issues. Have you seen that? You no, have-
1: I have yet to see them because I don't get Netflix. Oh, okay. Uh, whenever whenever I go to a con, I see uh, bootleg copies of that material that's on sale that people have uh, put on the DVD, but I have yet to pick them up. Uh, and I'm pretty confident that sooner or later they'll all be put out on DVD, and then I'll be able to look at them.
0: Sure, yeah, absolutely. Did you read the Punisher miniseries and any of the Punisher appearances before diving into oh, yes. the series? Oh, yes.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. I read Circle of Blood, uh, Steve Grant's series. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, how does your Punisher, how do you think your Punisher differs from the way Steve Grant did or before even Jerry Conway's original version?
1: Well, I think that Steven gets credit for making the Punisher a realistic character, and I just followed his lead. Uh, I don't think uh, Jerry's concept was very well thought out. Uh, uh, when Jerry did it, it was plain to me and millions of readers that it was just a, a rip-off of The Executioner. Right. So the only the only thing that, that uh, I brought to it was a greater sense of realism, and hmm. dynamism. I was trying to make these stories as, as believable as possible, and that called for less grandstanding and, and uh, uh, more thought-out action.
0: In these early isu- issues... Klaus Jensen gets to do the color job as well. He, he's on color duties. Did you get any, um, give any input in the color? Or did you leave that right up to him?
1: Oh, no, I never had to worry about the color. Klaus did a fine job.
0: Yeah, it looks like you had a really good team working with you. Like, all these people are top-notch. It was a, a great, strong way to start the series.
1: You know, if you'd like my Punisher, I have a series of crime thrillers out under the heading Bad Road Rising about a reformed motorcycle hoodlum. Okay. And the first one is called Biker, uh, and it, it's real, savage stuff. So if you like Punisher, you might check these out.
0: And what else are you working on these days?
1: Well, I'm working on Wilder, which is a new series for Cautionary Comics, uh, which is kind of a, a a globe. Uh, I mean, a space. A space-spanning story about a about a sixth-century uh, Scots uh, warrior who's ripped out of space and time in order to save his civilization. Here, I'll read you the the, the blurb. Okay. Seventh-century Scotland. Henry Gunn leads his clan in a ferocious battle with Viking invaders, but with victory in sight, he is ripped from space and time by an alien race. The Anunnaki seek a champion to stop another alien race from conquering all known space. Aided by the Egyptian goddess Sarah, Gunn undergoes a hideous transformation, becoming something other than human, able to move through time and space at will, yet unable to save his wife and child. The fate of civilization rests on the shoulders of a troubled demigod. In the tradition of the stars, my destination, and the silver surfer, Offworlder is a star-spanning science fiction saga that will keep you riveted from first page to last. And uh, I've been posting some art of it, uh, some of its art, on my Facebook page and on Twitter. The artist is Jordy Armengall. I'm also working on another series for Cautionary called The Wraith, which is kind of the flip version of The Offworlder. We're preparing a whole bunch of new Nexus material that will be published by Dark Horse later this year. Okay. Uh, And... I'm also working on a bunch of novels all the time.
0: Wow. So Offworlder sounds like a complete different take than than Punisher work. What do you prefer? What's your what's your uh, genre that you love playing in the most?
1: I love them both equally. In the novels, I'm in a point in my life where I can't get into a story and enjoy it unless I believe it's possible that it could really happen. And a good science fiction movie will do that for you. I mean, you watch Alien, And you absolutely believe everything in it. Uh, But then you watch some of these superhero movies and and you think, nah, that that could never happen in real life. And so that's a problem for me. So uh, generally in fiction, when I write novels, I try to make them as realistic as possible, especially the Biker series. But in comics, uh, comics is the most forgiving of all uh, mediums for stories in that. It's, it's easier to show a man flying in a comic book than in any other medium. I mean, you just buy it for some reason. There's something about the comic form uh, that gets you to accept the most outlandish premises. Mm-hmm, right. But but the comics I'm doing, too, they have to be credible and believable on their own terms. Uh, so these days, as I said, when I used to write Punisher, I would draw each page out by hand. Well, I no longer do that. Uh, now, before I... I write a comic, I write a a detailed outline, whether it's one issue or five issues, I write a detailed outline showing the the arc of the story. And the outline itself is designed to entertain. The outline is an advertisement for the story. So it's not just a dry recitation of facts. It's a come on. It says, hey, look at this. It's designed to, to get you excited. Uh, and once the outline has been accepted, either by them or by me, then I proceed to the the, the final version, whether it's a novel or a comic.
0: Okay, a couple more qu- uh, Punisher questions for you here. So the team up between Punisher and Daredevil takes place over the two titles. Did you right. first of all, whose idea was that, and did you have any? Um, did you talk to Ann Nocenti about you know what who was doing what?
1: No, I, I didn't. It was Carl who said we wanted to a crossover with. With daredevil and uh, he said you take lead and then ann will do the next volume and, and of course uh that story was based on the tylenol murderer
0: oh i'm not familiar was, with that guy
1: well yeah it, it was happened in chicago in the 80s a guy would go into drugstores and he'd open bottles of tylenol and uh replace the capsules with poison for who knows what reason but a number of people died wow and that that was the inspiration for that story
0: holy cow that's pretty brutal and, and one more question here is uh, tell me about the Shadow Masters. Did was this your idea or Carl? No, Pott's? no,
1: that's that's all Carl's. Carl's okay. is the guy. I think Carl's done a little training in ninjutsu. You should ask him about that.
0: I will. Um, and then you so and you put him in a few issues of your series as well. Because yeah. I know he did yeah. his own limited series with those characters. Right. Well, this is great. I appreciate uh, the chance to talk to you about this and when I read more of this Punisher, then I'll come back for another round and we can talk about the next batch of issues.
1: Okay, thanks Curtis.